everyone, and welcome to this new edition of the Modern Cotton Story, sponsored by E3 Sustainable Cotton from BASF. I'm Jennifer Crumpler, Fiber Development Manager and Manager of our E3 Sustainable Cotton Program from BASF and host of today's program. As I told our listeners early, um, earlier, I'm really excited that we're starting a new series, um, and the series is really all about the women behind the scenes at BASF who really bring our cotton seed and cotton story to life. Um, today's episode is entitled The Women Telling the Cotton Seed Story, and I'm excited to introduce Hadley Howard, Product Manager for U.S. Cotton Seed, and Rachel Walters, Cotton Seed Marketing Manager at BASF. We'll be discussing cotton seed, um, the decision our farmers make in choosing seeds for planting, and um, you know, all the work that goes into ensuring we're supporting our farmers, which I think, you know, a lot of our listeners may be surprised to know all the strategy um, and all the things that really do go in year after year as we're telling the story and building, you know, for our audience. I'm joined today by industry consultant Bob Andeshack. Bob, how are things in uh, your part of the world today? Jennifer, they're wet, actually, <laughs> and cold. <laughs> but uh, what can I say? But uh, uh, having a good day. Yeah, it seems Can't like complain. that's a common theme, Bob. So I think I'm going to stay down um, south and let you have that cold wet. <laughs> I think you should. No, I think you should, Jennifer. Stay south. Yes. You have a much yes. better. You have a much well, better. Good. And I'm so happy to introduce our guest today. Um, so Rachel Hadley, welcome. Um, how are things going for you guys today? Thanks, Jennifer. It's great to be here. Um, Bob, we also have it cold and wet here in Raleigh. Um, okay, so I don't feel so yes, lonely. Yes, don't feel <laughs> don't feel bad. <laughs> okay, thank you. And Rachel, um, <laughs> is everything wet in your world, or are you able to stay dry? Thanks, Jennifer. Yes, it is um, a little soggy here today. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be this way most of the week, um, but nonetheless, the sun did come out at some point today, so we'll take it. Well, good deal. Well, good deal. Well, I'm excited to have you both on the show today, and. Um, you know, really get into what you both do, because we both have, um, we all, just so our listeners know too, um, Rachel Hadley and myself all work on what we call our cotton leadership team at BASF. So um, we really get to support, um, you know, each other in our different tactics and different things that we're doing. And really just kind of, you know, it's always great for me to have the other women in the industry given that perspective and um, working together. So, you know, before we really get into and dig deep into the business and the discussion and that sort of thing, um, I'd really like for both of you to introduce yourself to our listeners and give a little bit of your background and some of your um, current responsibilities at BASF. So, um, Hadley, let's start with you and just kind of tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, good afternoon or good morning, wherever you are listening. I'm Hadley Howard. Um, and as Jennifer mentioned, I'm the product manager for our product manager for our cottonseed business. And what this means is I manage our FiberMax and Stoneville brands. I was born and raised actually in Eastern North Carolina, graduated from NC State in ag business. And really, um, I started my career with the ASF in 2008, um, as soon as I got out of college. And prior to um, the role I'm currently in now um, as the product manager for Cottonseed, um, I worked in several areas of BASF, including our crop protection business, our pest control business, as well as our plant biotechnology business. Um, but 
in my current responsibilities right now, um, I'm responsible for developing our 10-year crop strategy, um, as well as our brand plans for Fabermax and Stoneville Cottonseed. Um, I also manage all of our cottonseed pricing programs and accruals, so how we're spending our program dollars. Um, but I, I really want to share this, is that out of all the crops um, that I've worked in here at BASF, cottonseed has been by far my favorite. Um, I've been able to tie my love for agriculture with my love for fashion, um, and really my world has collided, and it's been so much fun to watch um, everything grow with our E3 Sustainable Cotton Program here at BASF. Yeah, and that's exciting. Um, and, and, you know, thanks for that, Hadley. And I think it's always great to always hear the history and, you know, the background and diversity, which I've told our listeners before. I've spent many years um, in the ag industry. And, um, and I'm not sure if I ever told them, though, I did have a stint for a while for a few years when I was in animal health. So I called on veterinarians and got, you know, sold them flea, tick, hardware medicine. So um, it's great to hear the diversity you bring, you know, from the pesticide business, um, you know, from the the home, you know, pest business and, you know, plant biotech. So it's great to hear that. And um, a fellow Wolfpacker, it's always good to have that. So thanks so much, Hadley. And Rachel, um, can you tell our audience a little bit about your background? Sure, Jennifer. I'm so glad to finally be a guest on your show after listening to all of your podcasts um, throughout the last I don't know. Has it been six months now? Um, so I'm finally glad yeah. <laughs> you got around to asking me to um, to participate. So, um, so a little bit about me, uh, Jennifer. I grew up on a cotton and peanut farm in southeast Georgia. And so my first experience with cotton was um, actually scouting cotton for for my daddy while I was in high school. And this was before we had um, BT cotton. So you were in those fields every few days to make sure you stayed on top of um, the worm hatch. So needless to say, I'm a huge fan of um, GMO cotton for the efficiency that it brings to <laughs> cotton sure. growers in that regard. <laughs> yep, I'm sure those um, high school days were fun. <laughs> yes, they were. Um, so while I was in college, um, I first went to Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College in Tifton, Georgia, and I scouted cotton that freshman summer between my freshman and sophomore year. And then after graduating with an associate in agriculture from ABAC, I transferred to the University of Georgia in Athens, and that's when I started having internships within the basic crop protection um, realm. And during those different summers or internships, I had the opportunity to work in uh, Georgia, Alabama, and South Carolina, a lot with cotton and peanut growers uh, recommending the brands that I was responsible for selling then. And then I graduated from UGA with a degree in agricultural communications. And I don't even think podcasts were anything they taught us about in the 90s in college, so a new communication uh, method there, and then um, I really, after graduating, that was when I began my career in the uh, full-time with Basic Company, and I started in Florida and spent 12 years in uh, the sales side of the business, calling on citrus and sugarcane and vegetable growers in South Florida, and then after that time, I was given the opportunity to move to the Midwest, and I led a sales team 
in Indiana and Illinois and called on um, mostly corn and soybean customers in the Midwest. And after a few years of me gaining my Midwest stripes, I had the chance to move into marketing and I came into our office here and I've been now in marketing, um, having several different roles um, focused in cereal, seed growth, uh, Southern portfolio, and I've been exclusively cotton now uh, for the last three years or so. And it's so fun that the crop I had the most experience with growing up is now the crop I get to work on every day. So um, just a little bit about me and, and my 20-year career. Yeah, and that's great. Um, so, Rachel, you said that, you know, we all had to get our Midwest stripes. I spent some time out in Illinois, too, so I understand um, that that piece of it and uh, making sure we understand that, you know, the corn soybean business, but it's just something about getting back to cotton. So, Jennifer, <laughs> I hear you. I had to spend some time in Michigan. I mean, <laughs> let's be real here. Yeah. So we all had to get back to um, our roots there. So, well, that's great. And as you both know, um, the series in our podcast is really to discuss the women at BASF who, you know, bring the best cotton to the market. Um, in my mind, I would put, you know, our, whether it's those involved in the science of it, the marketing, the strategy, you know, I, I think we're second to none in the industry and we hold such a high standard for that. And, you know, along those lines, um, you know, and Rachel, we'll kind of start with you. If you, what advice would you give to other women wanting to get um, in the industry and, you know, really wanting to, you know, excel and exceed in the ag industry or cotton industry? Jennifer, um, I really think my first advice is just do it. You know, get out there. If it's something you want to do, um, seek it out. Make connections. Ask questions. Um, learn about all aspects of the business. Um, work hard. Find people that um, can help help you um, develop yourself. And don't be afraid that because you're female that you can't be successful in um in the cotton business um there's a lot of people here pulling for folks to succeed um, male or female i mean we need um, people interested in cotton and young people that want to be involved and i just say just dive in and and uh, and enjoy the ride as you learn about a business that um, is so diverse when it comes to um how farming takes place across the belt to what happens with the, the cotton or cotton seed after it goes to market. Uh, there's so many aspects of the business that um, I feel like anyone could find their, their sweet spot here and be really, really happy with a career in the cotton industry. Yeah. And I appreciate that, Rachel, because I think you hit on a key thing is such a diverse business. So, you know, we've talked with, um, our last guest, we had Kate and Kelly on discussing what they do from an agronomic standpoint or from, you know, fungicide or herbicide standpoint on helping the crop. And then, you know, excited to hear about both of you and your cotton seed. And we'll have other guests that will come on, um, whether it's in our PR media realm, um, you know, all different aspects. And so I love that, that you're right. It's just such a diverse thing. There's something, you know, for everyone to do it. So, yeah, that's great. And, um, you know, Hadley, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts along the same, you know, same thing. Gosh, Rachel, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> um, well, let me try it at a different angle because I know that we have just a range of, of listeners that are listening. And um, in addition to Rachel's thoughts, 
I would say this is that the ag industry is so much fun um, and it's open, as Rachel mentioned, for, for anyone that wants to get involved. I mean, really, you just have to, to just dive in and do it, as she said. But if you're in college and um, you're looking to get into the ag industry and you're not, be looking at um, ag industry careers as a major um, to switch into. Also, um, network with your professors, um, attend career fairs, apply for internships in the ag industry just to get your feet wet if you're unsure to just figure out if it's something you might be interested in. Also, um, in college, any relevant ag industry experience you can get um, would benefit you in so many ways and it will create a stronger network for you to then network for a job after college. And then I'm also approaching this from another angle is that if you're in the middle of your career, uh, maybe you're having a career crisis and looking to switch out of what you're currently doing, but wanting to get into ag, um, I would just start um, connecting with folks of people, um, whether it's networking on LinkedIn. Um, do you have a neighbor that you could reach out to somebody in your neighborhood that you could talk to about what's going on in the ag industry? Also, um, understanding what industry trade groups are out there. Um, there are so many out there across industry, across crops, individual crops, you name it, um, that you could get yourself involved in to then um, start a network to get into the ag business. Um, and then the final thing I would just say is be yourself. Um, do things that you're demonstrating that shows career drive. Um, those are the things that we are looking for in this business, the things you cannot teach. Um, just asking questions, being yourself, um, being open, listening to others. Those are all the things that um, are the, the intangible things that you're looking for um, or we are looking for in, in, in an individual to work in this business. Adelaide and Rachel, thanks so much. I mean, uh, what a great background, both of you. Boy, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are from downstream. Adelaide, you'll appreciate that. I know you like fashion. I do. Um, but a lot of the people, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the people who are uh, listening to this podcast, you know, they come from the fiber business or all the way down to uh, cut and sew apparel and retail. So a big, you know, a big question is always, how do you draw that connection between the types of activities that you're involved with, that you're both involved with, uh, uh, at a big ag company like BASF? And what does that mean for their uh, retailers' customers? What does that mean for textile mills? What does that mean for apparel companies? So basically, the bottom line it is, quality cotton seed and aspects of cotton production and helping to promote or to market that kind of product to the farmers. How does that translate into better product, more usable product for, uh, for brands and retailers, do you think? How do they sure, start Bob, thank you. Um, I probably should have mentioned this when I was introducing myself, but I, I did not. Um, I started my college career at NC State as a textiles major. So I understand um, and, and do have that interest, interest in textile apparel management that many of our listeners listening to have. And now that I work in the cottonseed business, again, my world has collided. Um, 
I mentioned earlier that I'm responsible for driving our cotton um, strategy um, as a crop, but also for our brand plans. Um, and really, these plans are what set the foundation for what we do in cotton. And then Jennifer and Rachel take um, the high-level plans that I put together to build um, a customer engagement plan um, for Fibermax and Stoneville. But then Jennifer also takes it to build her E3 engagement plan for the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program. So at BASF, we have five key pillars that we use to drive our business. And the first is around genetic leadership, which is really around expanding our genetic footprint um, and utilizing our leadership in yield and fiber quality um, and focusing on those locally adapted varieties for a grower. And here we're working with our breeding team to ensure that we're continuing to bring the high yielding, high fiber, high fiber quality seed to our growers year after year. And then this is what the folks downstream, um, it, the brands are looking for. They're looking for the key, key um, quality characteristics in the, the, the cotton and the fabrics that are woven to then um, make a garment out of. At BASF, we also um, are, are driving innovation and offering growers the traits they need to grow a crop is absolutely critical for us. So for us to bring a new trait to market, it takes us 10 to 13 years. And innovation is at the core of what we do. We have to plan many years out um, in order for us to bring the next innovative technology um, that a grower needs um, and also demands. And it's absolutely imperative to the success of our business and theirs long term. The other pillar, the third one, is around managing the entire cotton acre. And it's really about giving growers a choice in weed control um, by offering um, choice in trait packages in our herbicide portfolio, but also enable them to complete, um, to have a complete and sustainable portfolio offering in our cotton business from seed to harvest. So um, here we're partnering with our crop protection colleagues and our seed treatment colleagues to ensure we're delivering the value that a grower needs um, to plant a crop and to grow that crop all season long so that when it goes to a gin, uh, after it's harvested and goes to a gin and a garment's made, that we're also able to meet uh, the needs that um, are demanded by a, a, a consumer. This is really um, another really important pillar um, to our business is around fiber value chain investments. And here we're demonstrating our B BASF's investment in our E3 sustainable cotton program, as well as um, showing incremental value throughout the value chain. Um, but we're also enabling growers to extract or capture better value out of the value chain through sustainability. These growers are already growing, in many cases, sustainable crop. And this is really where Jennifer does such a great job of working with our sales team and our growers to trace um, our cotton seed back to the grower's farm and trace what they've done from all their sustainable growing practices all season long. And then finally, this is really where Rachel shines is around being intimate with our growers and utilizing um, what we do um, with our engagement plans all season long to build stronger relationships with our key growers and become their trusted advisor. 
So really, this is how it comes together for us at BASF to ensure that folks um, that or the retail consumer is is looking to get what they are asking for um, when they purchase um, cotton from BASF or Fibermax in Stoneville. Thanks, Hadley, very much. Rachel, what's your take on all of that? Yeah, Bob, um, just to hear you ask the question, I go immediately to how different cotton production is across the cotton belt and how we as um, the cotton leadership team within BASF, we have to take into account those differences when we're working with those that we partner with through the channel, like a retailer or a consultant. And our agronomists, um, like Cody and Luke and Lucas that y'all have had on the, the panel before, and our sales team, those guys really work diligently to make recommendations fit into the grower's needs. Um, not only their agronomic needs, but also their needs for sustainability. And all the things that we measure within the E3 Sustainable Cotton Platform uh, go into account whenever our teams are interacting with growers. And then secondly, um, I feel like for businesses to be sustainable, um, and this is the way I look at who I do business with, I want to have similar values as that company. And I feel like uh, people can be very confident that when they're doing business with BASF, we value things like they do. We value uh, being involved in our communities of where our cotton growers um, live and work. We invest in those communities to share the positive story around cotton. And one example recently that comes to mind is our investment in the FiberMax Center of Discovery in Lubbock, Texas. It's a discovery center there in the largest cotton patch in the world. And um, we get to have our brand name on that building. And we have um, a display there that takes people um, of all ages, from school ages to retirees, through um, the investment and what we do at BASF to help promote the industry. And and the technology and innovation that we've brought to growers that have allowed them to be able to make um, that area of Texas highly productive for cotton production. Um, so just a few thoughts from me there, Bob. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, no, sorry, Bob. But yeah, that's, um, Good. no, Good that, that's yeah. great. And I think Rachel, you hit on a key thing. And I think that, you know, sometimes we get caught up in sustainability and the environment and environmental fact, you know, factors of measuring and, we, um, at BA, you know, for our E3 program, that's been something that has been very key for us and has been a big driver for our digital platform. Um, you know, we've had Chris Finning on from My Farms. I'm the managing um, president there and, you know, really dedicated on, to that piece of it for sustainability and, you know, that side of it. But I, you bring up such a key point with the people because um, that's another, you know, pillar of sustainability are the people and that is what makes me excited and gives me even more passion um, because you can tell that we are dedicated and committed to our communities where our um, cotton seed is grown and it, it shines through and our customers see that. Um, 
And so, you know, both of you, your backgrounds, current responsibilities, you know, it's been great to hear the diversity, but at the same day, it's really, you know, it is about the farmer and it's about, you know, the beginning. So helping and educating them to, you know, dig in that cottonseed business, um, you know, picking that right variety for their farm. You mentioned, Rachel, we grow cotton and um, you know, a cotton farmer in California or Arizona is different than a cotton farmer in Texas. That's different than a cotton farmer, you know, where you grew up in Georgia. And so, you know, the decisions farmers make um, to use one kind of seed over another, it's really significant in how their crops perform from year to year um, production practices. So, you know, we've had Corey on here before and, and Cody and some others on the agronomic side. Where we talked about an early season, full season, and, you know, pretty soon they're going to be planting Texas and Uh, plant cotton in Texas. And so, you know, we just know that is a big, significant part of it. So our listeners, um, you know, can learn about con seed, importance of the seed to a farm operation. What are some of those key decision points that when, you know, when we're doing tactics or we're, you know, strategy, what are some of those key things that you, you you know, we take into consideration that our farmers use in selecting one um, seed variety over another and how does BASF support the education and some of those agronomic needs of our growers? Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, we're all successful and, you know, how they, we'll kind of start with you. Sure, Jennifer. Thanks. Um, so I, I'll just, um, I want to start off with this is that I had a grower tell me one day that he has approximately 40 seasons to get his cotton crop right. Meaning, Every year, he goes back to what he did and learns from the previous year to get do better the next year. And he explained to me that each season, the first and most important decision he, can, he or she can make on their farm is their seed choice. And it's because it's their biggest investment that they can make each season. So that's absolutely critical, and we have market research that also shares this information, and you could go talk to any grower out there that would tell you that. But they're also having to consider many factors that they learn from every season that they've had before them around how they go about choosing the right seed for the right field um, to get, you know, the cotton crop they're looking for. They have to consider a lot of factors such as geography, the timing the seed will be planted, Um, What trait package will they be using? Um, Do they need a disease package? How strong does that disease package need? And which disease does it need to target? Um, Confidence and consistency in the seed's performance year after year. There are so many things that they are having to account for. And, And those are the things that they can control. But then they also have the uncontrollables that they are also having to factor in in the season. Um, They're rolling the dice every year with Mother Nature. Sometimes um, they can have the best laid plan um, for their fields, but they're most challenged by whatever Mother Nature gives them, whether it's hurricanes, drought, too much rain, cool temperatures, etc. That can also impact their their seed decision, which is why it's so important for them to make the best investment up front to start um, start out strong, and then take the crop through um, throughout the summer and into the fall for a strong harvest. Yeah, and thanks for that, Hadley. Um, and, and, you know, Rachel, along those lines that Hadley discussed, you know, one of the things that, you know, you do a phenomenal job at are some of those tactics for our agronomic services team or our 
breeding team or our sales reps in the field, um, you know, to get information, agronomic things out to our growers. And so I'd love to just hear, you know, how BASF supports the education and those agronomic needs. And especially, you know, to ensure that we're providing our growers and customers with the best information to help improve, you know, on their farm year after year. Jennifer, thanks for the ask. You know, I'm sitting here listening to Hadley as she talks through, you know, those important decisions that take place um, with seed selection, and and it is so critical. And um, I get the opportunity to support uh, both our agronomic services and our sales teams. And um, traditionally, we would have hosted uh, consultant meetings in person to share with cotton consultants across the the cotton belt about what we learned in 2020 around those varieties performing, whether they were in our own APT trials, which are reminders, that's our agronomic production trials that our agronomists are heavily involved in, or the breeder trials that Corey Mills and his team are involved in, and even um, the official variety trials or race trials that are put on by our state um, and university, ag universities. And so usually we do those in person. Well, um, thanks to our current situation with COVID, we have moved all of those sessions this year all virtually. And um, I've learned now how to put on webcast because of our situation. And see, there you go, Rachel. You've learned podcast. You've learned webcast. Yeah, getting this communication thing down. Down for sure. (laughs) Exactly. So um, we've been able to take what would have been, um, let's say, five, four or five consultant meetings. And now broken those up even more to be very micro to share in smaller groups um, with consultants, as well as uh, retailers and co- um, county extension agents for them to see what we learned this year. We're very transparent. Um, we pride ourselves on sharing um, the good, the bad and the ugly. And uh, and we want to share how our varieties performed. We want to be able to share the agronomic experience. So a consultant will be able to recommend to one of their uh, growers when's the best time to spray a plant growth regulator. Um, So we really do value um, being able to teach and transfer that knowledge from the agronomist on our team um, to those consultants and retailers. So they are comfortable making recommendations uh, to their growers. Uh, so that's, um, we, we say this, and I, I feel like it's kind of cliche to me, but I know you, Jennifer and Hadley, w- can all say it with me. You know, it's all about driving the right variety to the right field to deliver the right yield for that grower. And we also work to make sure that the growers have information. So I get to be a part of... Um, sending information to them. We've held a series of webcasts in the fall around quality. And Jennifer, I think y'all have already talked about the value of quality seed and how that sets a farmer up for success. And then here, um, starting this week, we'll start doing webcasts for growers for them to um, dial into the webcast and hear from the local agronomist, as well as some of those growers that are APT growers sharing the experiences 
of our varieties on their farm this year. And not only sharing that yield data and the quality data, uh, but also sharing the agronomic data, how the crop grows, how we need to manage it. And then um, to Hadley's point earlier, talking about the disease packages. So uh, Hadley and Rachel, I always ask this question, it seems of everyone, is there's so much disinformation on the internet about cotton, particularly about GMO seeds versus organic and all that. In many cases, the, the debates that I've read, at least online, are kind of fictionalized. You know, it, it's from people who don't really know. They have, they've never been on a cotton farm. So uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, how can you break through that veil of uh, disinformation that's on the Internet? Um, and also talk a little bit, little bit about the advantages of GMO cotton as opposed to uh, organic, so-called organic cotton. I put that in quotes. Um, was curious. Uh, sure, Bob. Take. Well, so, just to share with our listeners, um, first of all, uh, greater than 90% of the U.S. cotton is genetically modified. Um, it is genetically modified for a number of reasons, but, I mean, it's really the clear-cut ones of, that we all um, – well, maybe not we all, but those that are involved in the ag industry know why. And, and that's really to reduce the insect sprays that are going across the field, um, reducing herbicide sprays, and really just improving the overall way a, a farmer can manage their crop. But really from a technical perspective, um, you know, for thousands of years, farmers and plant breeders have used plant selection and breeding techniques um, so that they can develop crops that can produce more yields, survive challenging climate conditions, um, whether it's drought, whether it's cool conditions. Um, also producing uh, the desirable traits um, to combat disease or even, um, for example, if we were talking about vegetables, it could maybe produce a desirable sweetness in the vegetable or maybe in e even enhanced um, nutrition. So when people refer to genetically modified organisms um, or GMOs, they are really just referring to crops developed through genetic engineering. Um, and it's a more precise method of plant breeding. Um, genetic engineering uh, is also called biotechnology and it allows the plant breeders to take that desirable trait found in nature and transfer it from one plant or organism to the plant they want to improve. So, um, you know, it's a really cool concept and it's really improved what um, we can deliver in our cotton business in terms of um, managing an, uh, more acres with our cotton crop and increasing our yields year over year due to um, these the GMOs that have improved our management practices over the last several years. So, um, and, you know, as we, as you think about world population growing, I think um, with where it's headed by 2050, uh, I don't know that we have a choice. I mean, it's either polyester, which doesn't biodegrade. Um, it takes, 40, 50 years, I believe, to biodegrade in a landfill where cotton can biodegrade in six months. 
Um, and we've got to clothe these people. Rachel, what do you think? Um, I'm sitting here sadly sharing. I'm like, gosh, my comment's going to be pretty brief, you know, coming from the cotton farmer's daughter here. Um, you know, GMOs allow us to grow more cotton with less environmental impact, less herbicides, less insecticides, less trips across the field. And I think of sustainability and efficiency um, to me go hand in hand um, with GMOs and, and thoughts of cotton. So that might be oversimplified, um, Bob, for, for you, but that's just the way my brain thinks through this. Well, I think our audience will appreciate the uh, Hey, <laughs> the, yeah, the and coming from a, a high so school Rachel, um, I think it means that she can have more free time now. Um, the high school, you know, kids that used to have to walk the fields every other day, I think it gives them uh, less, having to do less of that. So, no, we appreciate both of that. And um, But Hadley and Rachel, thank you both so much for being on today. And, um, you know, I think that your comments and your, you know, whether it was advice, whether it was answering the questions or really just, you know, digging deep into your roles and responsibilities at BASF is um, very beneficial to our audience and especially to those who, you know, aren't quite sure of what everything that goes into um, the business. So really do appreciate both of you coming on. And that um, wraps up our time today. So, um, again, thanks to Hadley and Rachel for taking time to join us and Bob, as always, thanks for coming on and helping um, ask some of those thank questions. You, Absolutely. And I'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us and hope you enjoyed our show. Should you have any questions about the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program, please email me at e3cotton at basf.com. Also, don't forget to check out us on social media for face on Facebook and Instagram at E3 Sustainable Cotton. So any, until next time, thanks so much and have a great day.